0: Good morning, Bokir Tov. Welcome back to our Living with Amuna series, our Wednesday morning support group where we come together to work out our Amuna muscles and to reinforce that knowledge that we all have intuitively and instinctively, and unfortunately, sometimes we need to be reminded of that there is a God above, that he created the world, he continues to interact with us and loves us, he's with us, he accompanies us, he is uh, orchestrating and curating our entire lives. We turn to him and we turn to him with a sense of gratitude, particularly today, which we'll talk about momentarily. I wanna thank our Amuna sponsors for the series for the year, Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan, in memory of our dear friend Rabbi Dr. Brian Gabbett, Baruch Ben-Ruven Nassan, who was a model of Emunah, both in the way he lived and even in the way he left this world. Also, want to thank our dear friends, our generous, amazing community leaders, Mike and Esti Lupin, who are sponsoring this particular morning in memory of Rav Nachman Barab Yaakov HaLevi. Thank you so much for your generosity today and always. Today is Yom HaTzmout, and whatever your Hashkafe, and whether you said Hallel, with a bracha, without a bracha, but all of us are extraordinarily grateful for the gift of the modern miracle of the state of Israel. Rav Yaakov Emden writes in his Siddur a couple hundred years ago already that the miracles he saw in his life, the miracles that the Jewish people have experienced post Yetzias Mitzrayim, after the ten plagues, the splitting of the sea, are no less great than the miracles of when we left Egypt. And if that was true for Rav Yaakov Emden, writing in Germany a couple hundred years ago, it's certainly true for us today and in our time. And if you don't think having Jewish control over the width and breadth of Israel, having control over a united, uh, eternal capital of the Jewish people, Yerushalayim ir HaKodesh. If you don't think it's a miracle, I would challenge you to just consider for a moment. If the United Nations had to declare a state of Israel today, would they? If the nations of the world had to support a founding of a Jewish state and Jewish sovereignty and a Jewish army today, would they? So that little blip in time and the circumstances that came together that enabled us to be able to have that wonderful country, promoting more Torah learning than any time in our history. The State of Israel and its dollars are the biggest supporter of Torah study uh, than anyone and any time in our history. So today is a day that we pause in whatever way you want and whatever Hashgafa dictates to pause and just say thank you. With halal and odah to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, thank you that I'm living in a time, please God, soon I will be able to get on a plane whenever I want to visit my homeland, that even if I'm not ready to move there yet, I'm thinking about it and challenged by it each and every day. Not if, but when my destiny will be intertwined with my brothers and sisters in our homeland. So our living with Amuna sheer today begins with the Amuna and Bitachon, with the recognition of Hashem's guiding hand and the circumstances behind and the circumstances that continue to guide and support the miracle of our modern country of Israel, that is, with all uh, pandemic aside, thriving in ways that are a model for the entire world, transforming the world in extraordinary ways. And for that, Ribbon we are incredibly grateful to you today and every day. Mo'da Lach. Thank you. We're continuing our study of Rav Schwartz, Rav Itamar Schwartz, Bilvavi Mishkan Evne, his essay, Daat Bitchonacha, Know Your Bitachon, where we have been developing this notion of what is Bitachon? Just like Shimon Alevi entered the city, Betach, a sense of confidence, a sense of surety, a sense of absolute knowledge. You see, where does a lack of Bitachon come from? Anxiety, worry, fear, doubt, uncertainty, what will be? What will happen with my health? What will happen with my finances? What will happen with this virus? What will happen with the world? When we have such a sense of doubt and uncertainty and that vacuum, that space that's not filled with the knowledge or confidence gets filled instead, with negative things and negative thoughts and negative emotions, pessimism, depression, despondency, anxiety, envy, arrogance. How do we clear out that space of all that negativity and all that negative thinking by filling it instead with bitachon? And how do you fill it with bitachon? Because it's a wish list, it's wishful thinking? No. Filling it with bitachon is saying, I know that there's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. there's an Almighty, He created the world, He created me. I know He maintains a personal, intimate relationship with me, not only with the whole world globally, not only with the Jewish people nationally, collectively, but me, a little Ephraim from Goldberg individually. He knows everything from the quality of my sleep, to what I eat, to whether things work out, to whether I'll have the right words and the right ideas, to speak smoothly, to whether the technology will come together, to every detail of my life, of your life, of our lives, He knows. And when a person lives life with the confidence that not only does God know about my life, but He has my back. He is guiding my life. He's orchestrating my life. Yes, I have free will. Yes, I take initiative. Yes, I am responsible and accountable for the choices I make. But after I put forth my best effort, and even part of how much my effort comes from Hashem itself, but after I put forth my best effort, I let go and I let God. The rest is up to the ribonu shalolam. And the mentality of betach is a mentality that says, it is what it is. I'm going through life. I got a text message this morning from uh, someone who, Um, about an investment that I'm involved in, in a modest way, and the challenge it's uh, undergoing because of the pandemic and his feeling terrible about it. And I said to him, it's not you, it's the Rebona Shalom. Not happy, not grateful, not in a position that that these things don't matter. But when this is something where somebody didn't do something dishonest, it's not that they could have predicted this was gonna come, but they didn't take the proper precautions. This is something that caught the world by surprise. It's the hand of Hashem. He gives, he takes away, and hopefully He gives it again. And so you have to look at it and say, this is what was meant to be. On Rosh Hashanah, it was already determined whether this would be in my pocket or not. And so if somebody steals from you, if someone violates your trust, if somebody acts with negligence, if somebody doesn't take the proper precautions, then they should be accountable. But if they did all of those things and it's not on them, it's simply the circumstance of the world that we live in, then you live with a sense of betach. I'm confident that's the way it's meant to be. This is what is supposed to happen and therefore there's no resentment and there's no anger and there's no worry and there's no fear because like Shimon and Levi entered the city, we too can enter our lives to a place of betach. And then he developed the notion of the internal self, the external self. The external self battles from the moment we wake up in the morning and the internal self, which is connected to Hashem, Hashem is the only person, place, thing, entity who has no hisnagdus, who has nothing opposing him. There is no force against Akkadish Baruch He doesn't have to battle. There is no tension. There's nothing that needs to be overcome. For Hashem, everything just is. He is the epitome of discipline, of control. He is in charge. Everything simply responds and reacts the way He wants, the way He determines. So when we look at the world wearing our external sense of self-glasses all we see is oh that food i want to eat it but it's bad for me oh the exercise i'm supposed to do it but i don't feel like it oh the gossip i so badly want to share it but i'm not supposed to oh the images i want to look at but i'm not supposed to oh how am i going to make money and pay my bills or how am i going to overcome the challenge with my spouse with my children all we see all around us is conflict battle tension confrontation but if we put on our Tzal Kim glasses, if we put on our Bitachon Betach glasses, if we attach ourselves to our inner self, to Hashem, and we connect to the One who has nothing opposing Him, then the whole world we see is this is the way it's meant to be. I have no envy, no arrogance, no worry, no fear, no anxiety, no anger. I simply see a world operating the way it's meant to be. Does that not mean I have things I have to overcome? I have to overcome them. I have things I have to get done. I have challenges I have to confront but I do so not from a position of fear or worry or uncertainty, I do from a position of, I'm going into this and it's fixed. You step into the boxing ring and the match is fixed, then you still have to to fight. I don't know if this is a good metaphor. When I was a kid, what was it called, WWE, the wrestling? So the wrestling, I hate to burst anyone's bubble if you're watching or listening, spoiler alert, but wrestling is fake. They're actors, they're acting in the ring. It's all predetermined. So they still have to get in the ring and they're still wrestling and they're still jumping off the ropes and they're still driving the other person into the ground but it's all predetermined it's all acting and going in they already know the outcome so we have to go through the motions and we have to do the act in our lives but we know that the outcome has been predetermined and it's always in our favor whether we see it whether we feel it whether it's pleasurable whether it's painful it's always in our favor surgery is also painful but it's in your favor. That's why you're undergoing it. It's why the surgeon's doing it. It's because it's what you need. So even the painful experiences we have, they are in our favor because it's what we need in that moment and therefore we should be grateful for it. So let's continue. Lidugma. We're up to the word Lidugma. I sent out the sheets last week. I forgot to do it this week, but you're all a bunch of good listeners. So you'll listen and I'll try to read slowly and uh, and translate. So Lidugma, says Rav Schwartz. Lidugma. Isha tzricha Somebody needs a Shidduch, a young man, a young woman, a not so young man, not so young woman, who's seeking companionship and camaraderie, who's looking to find their other half, maybe a better half. They're looking for a Shidduch. This is a particularly difficult time. This pandemic and social distancing is very hard for people who are trying to pursue their dream of finding another. Zoom technology is fun for these classes and you can have meetings. There's only so many games you can play over technology, people who are desperate to be together. They're a Ma'akvim Rabim. When Rav Schwartz wrote this, he wasn't thinking about the challenge of social distancing, the inability to go on a proper date, to be face to face, to be able to have an energy of being in the same room together. He was talking about the other Ma'akvim, the other challenges of a shidduch. It's very hard. How are you on people's radar? Are they remembering to set you up? The small talk you have to go through. You got to get dressed up. You got to go out. There's hope and then it fails. There's rejection. There's so many challenges to the world of a shidduch. She has no idea exactly. Well, the boy on paper, again, I don't know if there were resumes when he wrote this, It was fairly recently that he wrote this. But on paper, it looks like a good boy. On paper, it looks like a perfect match of a girl. But who knows the reality? Because on paper, you could write anything. And the references only see the best of who a person is. Who knows what it's like to live with them? Who knows what's beneath the surface? Who knows what they'll be like as a spouse or a parent? And even when you find somebody who seems like they are a proper match... How do you know that they're going to agree to go out? How do you know that the relatives who are going to undergo a uh, CIA investigation Who are going to interrogate the rabbi, you or rabbi about you? How do you know that they're not going to blow it, say the wrong thing, undermine the possibility of it working out? Or maybe the financial matters won't, won't work. And there's always outside variables and always outside influences, and there are people with alternative motivations and agendas who might insert themselves and sabotage the success for some reason. So, because there are so many things to worry about. There are so many things outside a person's control. The young woman, the young man says, I'm working on perfecting myself. I'm trying to be the best person I can be, positioning myself to be able to be worthy of the best Shidduch that I can get. But there are so many factors and variables outside that person's control. So all they have left is to submit themselves to the hands of Hashem and to say, Almighty, I'm in your hands. Find me the proper match. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Kaddish Baruch is the great matchmaker in the sky. And to say, however you guide me in this process, even the dates that don't work out are part of the journey of learning about myself and about life, and however you guard me. And then she finds a match, and she gets married. Mazel tov. So she thinks, you know why I earned the merit of getting married? Because I had bitachon. I put my trust in Hashem, Hashem, you'll find me someone. Hashem, you'll help it work out. It's not that she got married in the merit of bitachon. It's that the bitachon itself, the marriage, is the peros. It is the result of It's the fruit of the labor of her life of bitachon. Meaning, you can't deny a Kaddish Baruch presence in your life, his role in your life, and then you need something, a shidduch, a job, a house, shalom bayis, nachas from your children, and oh, on my checklist of things I need to do in order to get what I want is to display bitachon. I'm trying to avoid an epidemic, a pandemic. So how do I avoid contracting this virus? I need to socially distance. I need to wear a mask and gloves. I need to, I need to, I need to. Oh, and also I need to have bitachon. So let me put that on my list of things I need to do. If you wait to have bitachon in that way, it's inauthentic, it's counterfeit. It's better than not having bitachon, but that's not real bitachon. Bitachon long precedes when you'll need it, says Rav Schwartz. It is training ourselves to look at life. It is a perspective, it's an attitude, it's a philosophy, it's an approach, it's a lifestyle. Bitachon is not a character trait in the moment. Bitachon is not a choice in the moment, though it is those things too. Bitachon is a lifestyle. I'm living my life as if God is with me in the room. He is watching, he's supporting, he's guiding, or I'm living my life as if he's not. And then when I invite him in the room, he makes an appearance. Or I make an appearance in his room when I have to appeal to him for something. True Bitachon, says Rav Schwartz, is not God makes an appearance or I make an appearance near him. True Bitachon is a lifestyle. It's a choice. He is always there. He's always there. It's the choice that he's been developing. It's the choice between do I live life where I have conflict, confrontation, battling, so when I battle, I stop and I need to... Check Bitachon God off my list, excuse me, or or do I live a lifestyle in which I've attached myself to God so that I'm living a life with no hisnagdus, There's no opposition. There is no opposition. Red light, delayed flight, waiting in the doctor's office, job challenges, relationship challenges, health challenges. There's no such thing as opposition, because this is all the way it's meant to be. It's all from him. And he suffers with me when I suffer, and he gets pride and joy in me when I have pride and joy, but beyond my choices and behavior and initiative, it's all up to him. So it's not that you wait for the shidduch and, oh, I didn't really make room for God. I didn't feel him in the room, but now it's time for a shidduch, and I'm going to need his help. I see some opposition. I see some challenge. Let me just check him off the list. God, Check. Bita- called the Shadchan, check, wrote the resume, check, hired the photographer to photoshop my picture, check. Oh, and also, I forgot, I'm supposed to say these to him or bake these challahs or visit the kotel all these many days in a row. Bitachon check. It doesn't work that way. That's fake. It's counterfeit. You're using God. Bitachon means that long before you began your Shidduch dating, you said, you know, I attach myself to the one who has no opposition. And therefore, I'm about to undergo a process. I'm not worried about it. I'm not afraid of it. I'll do what I need to do within it but he's guiding it like he's guiding everything else in my life already. Nizbonen Let me give you another example, says R. Schwartz. Everybody knows that you have bills to pay. doesn't mean I sit on the couch Oh, I trust God that there's going to be money left at my front door. The man's going to fall from heaven. I don't care how many shlitzel chalas you bake this year. The man doesn't just fall from heaven. The curse of Adam, the punishment for Adam, was A pecha you got to get up off the couch and you got to go to work. We all have to go to work. Again, not ranking on the shlitzel chalas. person who made it for me was delicious. And it's a reminder that just like the chala, La Khamishna, Man falls from heaven, our Parnasa falls from heaven, but we gotta go get up off the couch and open the door and collect it. So Parnasa, I can't sit back passively and wait for it to happen. I have to do my part. But there are two paths that stand before a person. You have a choice. One is to go out with effort to earn your Parnassah, or the other is to trust Hashem. Says of Schwartz the following. You can either work hard to earn a living, or you could work to earn your living, but instead redirect that working hard on working hard on your bitachon, that the living you earn is what Hashem has for you. Let me tell you, my cousin, Reb Zalman Hill of Fendel, Zecha Levracha, who passed away a few weeks ago from this coronavirus, an extraordinary tzaddik, tamo an amazing person, a tzanua, modest and humble, really, really an exceptional person. And at his levaya, at his funeral, um, at his funeral, It was said about him, he was an accountant. He really learned all the time, but to earn a Parnassah for him and his 12 children, his six married children, many of whom are still in learning, he was a brilliant, brilliant, self-taught accountant. Um, But here's what he did. And uh, the story I'm about to tell you, if I didn't know it myself firsthand, I wouldn't believe it because they don't make people like this. But he was a throwback to previous generations. He was a throwback to, to the stories they tell about great people. He would work every day, until he had enough money for that day and he stopped working to go start learning. And I know this because one of his sons told at the Leviah that a client of his caught, called the son and said, I can't believe that I missed your father today. I missed that opportunity where he had enough money for the day so he's not taking my call. He pushed me off until tomorrow because he went to go learn for today. There are people who say, you know what? I don't need to get rich and richer. I don't worry, live with fear and worry. I work for today until I have enough for today because Hashem will provide the man, He'll provide the parnasa for tomorrow. Unless you think these are apocryphal stories or fake stories or stories gone by of, of people in the past, there are people like that, like my cousin's husband, of Hill Fendel, Zichrona Levracha, still today, who know they have to earn a Parnassah and who put in their initiative and who do their eshtadlis, as their work. But when they have enough money to live, when they have what they need for that day, they stop. And then they pursue other righteous, meaningful, religious, spiritual, however you define that, to volunteer for chesed, for learning, for davening, whatever that means for him, of course, it meant learning in which he excelled and succeeded and published Svarim and was really uh, so greatly admired. So when it comes to our Parnassus, says Rosh you're going to work hard one way or another. You could either be working extraordinarily hard at work, stay at work till 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, you could be working and pouring yourself overworking into work or you could be putting in what you need for work and taking that same energy and putting that work into your bitachon that your other work is enough to yield what kosh baruch is going to provide you see if hashem wants you to make a million dollars a year you're probably not going to do that working 15 minutes a day it's not reasonable that's not a reasonable expectation of him and we're not allowed to rely on a miracle so if you think you're going to work 15 minutes a day and become a millionaire unlikely tim ferris and all it's not going to happen even he was the four hour work week it's not going to happen you got to work what is a reasonable normative amount of time and then you can hope and ask hashem for what you want on the other hand if god wants you to be a millionaire don't you think you'd be a millionaire by working eight hours a day do you really need to work 18 hours a day so when you overwork. When you put in too much initiative, it's a lack of faith in Hashem. When you put in too little initiative, it's also a lack of faith in Hashem because it's a counterfeit, fake version of fake, uh, faith in Hashem. We have to strike that balance. We have to find that happy medium between the hishtadlis, the initiative, and the emunah, the bitachon, the trust that Hashem will provide. But again, his point is, I can be overworking. So I put in my eight hours, my ten hours, whatever the job demands of me, whatever is reasonable and normal in my industry to be able to do and provide for what I need. I put in that reasonable amount of time. I can either continue to work that overtime, which is exhausting and deprives me of my my health and my space and my exercise and my family, Or I can call it quits in that time and put the extra effort in the bitachon into working on myself to know that Hashem will provide, can provide, give me what I need and can give me what I need if I work within that reasonable time. Again, the same idea with the shidduch. It's not that I want a shidduch call the shadchan, build the resume, check, 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 have bitachon. I need parnasa. go to work, put in my effort, check, 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 oh, bitachon, check, 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 check. No, the bitachon is the prerequisite. The bitachon is what comes before. The, the parnasa that comes is the peros. It's the fruit of the initiative, of the effort of the faith that I've expressed. Bitachon, kasher badavar mashu, So again, to summarize, what is bitachon? It means that we have confidence when we have surety, when we know that a Kodesh Baruch Hu is in charge. It means that the core of who I am and the daily living of my lifestyle is connected to the one, It's really a choice that we have. We wake up every day. Do you want your day to be defined by battling, by tension, by conflict? Do you want your day to be defined by having to confront inertia? Or do you want your day to be smooth sailing from wake up in the morning? It's all the perspective. Do you put a smile on your face? Do you have an attitude of gratitude? Do you begin with positivity? Do you see Hashem's hand? It's all up to us. Do we want to, at the end of the day, look back at the day and say, I'm exhausted. I battled from when I woke up in the morning. To just get out of bed was a battle. What I'm gonna wear, to get dressed, to have to homeschool my kids, to deal with this, to deal with that. Or do you wake up and say, my day by definition will be smooth. Smooth sailing, you could get a horrible diagnosis. Smooth sailing, you could have horrible news about your Parnassa. Smooth sailing, you got kids swinging from the ceiling fans, homeschooling, everyone on their own device. What's smooth sailing? There's nothing in my life right now that's smooth sailing. What are you talking about? The answer is, it's up to you. If you live your external self, if all you see is conflict, then you are riddled with battling, you'll be exhausted, not by the end of the day, you'll be exhausted 20 minutes into the day. But if you wake up connected to your internal self, to your tzelem alokim, to your core, to the best part of who you are, and you attach yourself to the Almighty, to the King of Kings, to the master of the universe, for whom it's all clearly choreographed, curated, organized, and whatever is going to happen that day, You'll roll with those punches. You got a text about your investment. It's the way it's meant to be. He gives, he takes. He'll give again. And you know what? It all comes from him. It's the way it's meant to be. You're dealing with whatever challenge or conflict it doesn't mean that sometimes people won't test your patience. You won't have to go for a walk. You won't have to take a deep breath. Of course, all those things will happen. But you come back to that core. You come back to that source. You come back to the shorish to our to our inside root that we are connected to the one to the one who has nothing opposing him. You know this notion that there's one who has nothing opposing him doesn't exist in the natural order, and the natural world. Everything in the natural order and everything in the natural world, every force has an equal and opposite force against it. When God consulted with the angels, we talked about that in the Parsha class this week, Azael, Aza and and, uh, Uzael, the angels that said we're unworthy and shouldn't be created and then told God told you so when we made a mistake. So God threw them down here and says the Ishbitz Rebbe put them in our minds. So here he invokes this medrash that when God proposed creating the world, these angels opposed and they said, create the world, fallible, finite, pathetic man. Some said, good idea, but most stood opposed. They said, ma'enosh kisiz karenu? Shalom Amar Shekulo Machlokas. You're going to create man so that it'll divide into Democrats and Republicans, into Charedim and Sionim, into Orthodox and Concern. You're going to create man so all they're going to do is fight Yankees and Red Sox. You're going to create man just so that's a noble fight. But just so that they start fighting with one another? That's what you're going to create man for, just to have a world filled with machlokas. Man's going to wake up, there's 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 machlokas. Life is all about battling and challenging, fighting for your ideals, fighting for your rights, fighting to repair the world, fighting against your alter ego. It's a world filled with fighting. So the ones who advocated for creating man said, yes, but we're going to insert and instill within man a piece of God. Man is going to be fashioned from God himself. So true, man's instinct. True, man will have this alter ego. He'll have to battle and fight. True, man will have to fight for his ideals and ideas. But you know, within man, man, I'm talking generic man, within man is you, God. And you are a force and a being for which there is no opposition. So as long as they attach themselves to you, they can enter a place with no opposition, with peace and with harmony and with love. You know, there are people who fight for their for their uh, ideas and ideals and their values, they fight with passion, and yet they live with peace and harmony with those with those around them in extraordinary uh, in extraordinary ways. In extraordinary ways, we all know people people like that. So the fact that you stand up for what you believe in doesn't mean that your life will be riddled with with machlokas. You can you can have both. <speaking in Hebrew> And so, simply attaching ourselves to Hashem attaches ourselves to a world, to a perspective, to a vision without battling. And this says, of Schwartz, is exactly, and this is the time that we're living in, between Pesach and Shavuos, we just left Mitzrayim. We left Mitzrayim, we left Egypt, and Egypt now needs to leave us. And what does it mean to leave Egypt? Also in our Mitzrayim, we're not supposed to emulate or imitate the way of Mitzrayim. What was the way of Mitzrayim? So Paro thought, I'm a deity, I'm in control. It's really all up to me. Pharaoh would go down to the Nile every morning to relieve himself because he didn't want his people to know that in fact he was human. He put his pants on, did they wear pants in Mitzrayim? He put his pants on one leg at a time, that he also had to relieve himself like everybody else. He thought he was better. He thought he was greater, superior. He took credit. He wanted to worship himself. He wanted others to worship him. And that was the mentality and that was the philosophy of Egypt. Each person in their home, each person leading their little empire, that they are the deity, they are the God, they are the ones who are singularly and exclusively responsible. They get all the credit. They're in charge. That was a philosophy of Mitzrayim. The whole notion contrasting, Egypt was irrigated how? By the Nile. Israel is irrigated how? By the rain. Egypt is a place where you say, God, I don't need a God. I don't need his rain in order to be able to, to sustain myself. I have a Nile, and the Nile irrigates my field. And that's why they, they worshipped the Nile. They worshipped at the Nile, by the Nile, and they worshipped the Nile itself. The Nile was their source of irrigation. Israel is a place, we don't have a natural source of irrigation. It relies on the rain. The rain plays such a prominent role within the well-being and the sustenance of the land of Israel, why? Because when you rely on the rain, who are you going to turn to? Who will you rely on? The Ribbon Shalom. You know, the Torah tells us in three places that once we left Egypt, we are forbidden for going back. And it's codified in Halacha. It's an interesting question then. How throughout Jewish history were there those who did live in Egypt? The Rambam lived in Egypt, the Radvaz lived in Egypt, Ravavad Yosef lived in Egypt. How are you allowed to live in Egypt? We once gave a whole Shabbos HaGadol drasha about that topic, but we uh, all shared the, the, the uh, philosophy section. What we shared was that perhaps the prohibition of going back to Egypt is not just geographically going back to Egypt. The prohibition of going back to Egypt is going back to the mentality and the philosophy and the attitude of Egypt. And what is that? That I don't need God. I've got the Nile, I've got the NASDAQ. I've got the Dow, I've got the stock market, I've got my real estate portfolio, none of which are doing very well these days, so you don't have any of those things. So, um, But you might say to yourself, I've got my brain, my ingenuity, my innovation, my entrepreneurship, I have a Nile, I worship myself and I worship these other tools and I don't need God. So God says, don't go back to you, I took you out of Egypt, I took you out of that mentality. So what happened when we got out of that mentality? He took us out of Egypt and we need to take Egypt out of ourselves now and he took us to the desert. And how were we provided for? What did we eat in that desert? What did we eat? So we know the mun fell, and here's the amazing thing. When you open the front door, what was there was meant for you. There was the amount that was there for you. How did God know? What if you lived in a home with 12 children? What if you lived with one children? What if you had an empty nest? What if you were newlyweds? What if you were single? The man that came, what was right for you. And when something falls from heaven miraculously, you don't doubt it, and you don't challenge it, and you don't wonder about it. It's obvious and clear to you that this is what's meant for you. And that's the mentality that we're meant to have, that we put in our initiative and we take our effort. And then whatever we have and whatever descends from heaven is there. It's what meant for us. It's what's right for us. Why is it what's right for me? But my neighbor has so much more. Why is this what's right for me? But this isn't enough. I need more. That's our effort. That's our challenge, each one in their own way. And I don't mean to minimize those who have real challenges in this area. It's not easy if it feels like it's not enough and you don't know when your next next portion is going to fall. And yet, that is, our, that is our challenge. That when a person attaches themselves to the one with whom there is no opposition, there's no force against, then you realize whether it's the shidduch or the parnassah or the shalom bias or a pandemic, I need to take my initiative and I need to do what I need to do and then whatever else results, whatever else happens, it is by design. It is what's meant. My dearest friends, who wouldn't want this lifestyle? Why wouldn't you want the results that it creates? I literally don't get it. I don't understand The atheist, the agnostic, I'm not saying that there aren't challenges and theological questions and we just came off Yom HaShoah, Yom HaZikaron and even right now this pandemic, bad things happening to good people, my dear cousin who I told you about, uh, of course I'm bothered by these questions. But at the end of the day we can become paralyzed and stifled, uh, debilitated by the questions or we can look at God's guiding hand and the brach in our life, we can choose to see him everywhere. Choose to see Him everywhere. I'll give you one example, and maybe we'll start with this next week. I was going to get into it, but we're out of time. You want to talk about seeing God everywhere. How about the fact that God designed a human body that is a chemical factory, that right now bio, bio, um, biotechnology and pharmaceutical companies are struggling to invent a drug to fight COVID-19. And the best option we have right now is being produced where? What's the chemical factory? What's the manufacturing plant? What's the biotechnology company that so far is producing the best medicine? It's called the human body. It's called the plasma of the people who had it. The very same people who when they lay in a hospital bed or when they were at home or struggling to catch their breath said, why me, where is God? How could this happen? I'm fighting this opposing force are now saying, Thank God I went through that because it has put my body in the position that it's producing medicine that is saving lives. The plasma donations being given by the people themselves previously went through this horrible illness. That's the brach of Asher Yatzar. Again, maybe we'll start with this next time. God, you designed a chemical factory that could compete and surpass almost any other that we know. It's called the human body. It has a uh, manufacturing part, it has a waste disposal part, it has all kinds of parts. It also, now we've learned, has a medicine producing part of the human body. If you're looking for God, He's everywhere. Let's choose to look and to find Him. Let's choose to be filled on this Yomat's with the gratitude for His role and presence in our life, for the difference that He makes and for everything that we have. And please God, we can shut down that part of our chemical plant called the body, not need that medicine, see only good health for those all around us. Wishing you a wonderful, wonderful day. Everyone is invited to stay tuned on uh, BRS. Um, We have a full day of Torah learning of uh, people who used to live in Boca and teach in our institutions who are going to be bringing Torahs Eretz Yisrael uh, to us over technology beginning in 10 minutes. I'm having a conversation with Rabbi Brander and Rabbi Fass. The three of us are reuniting for a conversation about Israel uh, that will be starting in about 10 minutes. Look forward to seeing you there. Have a fantastic day.